Now, while I was waiting for you a short while ago, I read a really interesting article about Naomi Osaka because I'd seen I'd seen a tweet about another sponsorship deal <laughs> and I was trying to find out how many she has. I mean, is there a limit? At some point, do you have so many that it's just, do you know what I mean? It sort of devalues some of them. So I was just interested to see. And there's a great piece on Forbes. This woman is a machine. I'm, it's phenomenal. The sponsorship deal she has, where she's heading for, the thought that goes into it, what she's planning on getting out of it, how it's all structured. Genuinely, I don't know how she does any training or playing tennis with the amount that's going on off the court. Uh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I think people don't necessarily realise is she's now ultimately a businesswoman, right? But with no experience in business, yeah. no prior experience in business at all. So you just suddenly imagine if you said one day, huh, I want to get into business. And then you were suddenly the CEO of a business <laughs> that was pulling in sort of in excess of 30, 40 million a year. And they're like, right, that's where you're going to learn. You go, okay. So <laughs> I guess the first thing you need to do is to surround yourself with people that know what they're doing <laughs> and have maybe done it before. Because how do you even begin to take that on? And not only that, everything hinges on you. Everything, every photo shoot, yeah, every yeah. everything. There's no sort of delegate it all to that. Okay, yeah, the day-to-day -day running of it. But in terms of the product, the product is, it's just, it's mind-blowing to just walk into that situation. But yeah, I don't know. In terms of the amount of sponsors, I guess you can't have conflicting sponsors. So you can't have sort of two energy drinks. You can't be So she's got, she's got a noodle brand, yeah. Nis Nissin. So she couldn't have another noodle brand. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, so I imagine that limits it to a point, as in you can only have one car, one watch, <laughs> one cruise thing. One luxury brand. Do you know what I mean? One but even with the noodles watch. thing, even another food brand, there might be written into the contract that she couldn't have another food brand. They had exclusive rights over the food. It, maybe I don't know I'm, I'm guessing things like airlines like Kanisha Courier's Japan Airlines had them forever you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily want another airline if you uh, Osaka sponsored by Tagger you don't want another watch so I, so I guess some things once you've got that luxury watch or car or airline I mean you necessarily wouldn't want another one even if they wanted to be with you yeah can you imagine somebody walking around with three watches on being like these are my, coll <laughs> my collection of watches each, each round <laughs> oh, I'm wearing the different one this time <laughs> Yeah. It's, well, we've seen it recently because in Rome, Red Bull was a sponsor and Red Bull is yeah. a sponsor of a lot of the players. And we were seeing in the uh, post-match interviews, the encore interviews, that the, the players that were sponsored by Red Bull, I'm thinking of you, Dominic Team and Matteo Berrettini, <laughs> were very, oh, they are the two. <laughs> very, very good at just having a little sip of Red Bull in the middle of their... Uh, encore interview. I think Berrettini I did. That. Berrettini definitely did. But you know, you know, they'd have a little sip of Red Bull and just to get it in the shot because <laughs> otherwise it's not in the shot. It's like Federer with his watch. He's very good at wiping the sweat away from his brow in his post-match interview with the hand that has the watch on, not the other hand. I, I don't, I don't focus enough on this stuff. <laughs> I see them put the watch on at the end. They all have that side pocket on the racket bag now, largely all of them, and they whip out the watch and it goes on. But I haven't noticed little things like that. The sort of ah, oh, I'm just going to wipe a bead of sweat away. Oh, that happens to be my watches, or or the I've known of past tournaments that haven't been sponsored by Red Bull. They've sort of asked the likes of Dominic Team to put it in, like they brought him like a paper cup 
Yeah. And they're like, you can't, you, you can't swig from Red Bull during this tournament. So he's kind of having to stick it in a cup at the side. But it's, well, I guess it's in the contract. They, they want you to, they want the stuff to be, you're an ambassador for their product. I'm just wondering if you get so many things, is it, is it harder if you've got, she's got, I think around 16 or so. I think this was at last count. It's probably, you know, can you give them all enough time? Or do they not mind? They're just associated with you. So they don't necessarily need the wiping the sweat away with a watch. They can just say, they've got a poster and they can say, we work with Osaka. It'll all be contracted. Everything will be in the contract in terms of what they expect from you. I don't think any player will be going over and above if they are required to um, demonstrate that they are, are using a certain product, then then I suppose they'll have to. But um, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you can go one direction, which is the Wimbledon direction, which is to not have many sponsors. And they have, you know, when you're at Wimbledon, for those who have been lucky enough to go, you know, you can only get one type of beer and one type of alcohol. <laughs> Although now there's a new gin, actually, that's joined. So there's two different types of that. Oh, do, is there? Do you know what I mean? Like there's, it's very specific. They have very few sponsors, uh, and they actually yeah. don't give the well they do give those sponsors a lot of exposure of course it's Wimbledon but it's not sort of plastered everywhere you know you, not like a, I, I always think of like a Formula One driver I always wonder where the tennis players are going to end up like that where they've just got badges <laughs> head to toe and they're just branded <laughs> all the way all the way through but then other tournaments it's just as much sponsorship as they can get as much visibility as they can get it's just a totally different tactic so you're on a scale I suppose in, in that sense but I don't think Osaka is sort of plastered with stuff. No. Just making no. a lot of money. So maybe hers is more about appearances and doing doing stuff for the companies. Do you think she's done enough on court now that if she didn't win another Grand Slam, she'd keep that level of sponsorship? Is she enough of a star? And I'm talking about her activism off court and she's gone into designing, I think it was a, a swimmer range. Do you think she's at a level now? I'm not saying if she drops off the face of tennis, but if she were not to replicate what she's already done, do you think it would affect her at all because of the status she's already achieved or does she have to keep that level? No, she's absolutely fine. I don't think she could not play again, to be honest. I think playing I helps her it? because she's getting out on court, but similar to Maria Sharapova. It's not like Maria Sharapova, after winning Wimbledon at 17, went on and won 23 Grand Slams like Serena. She didn't. Yes, she won some yeah, Grand Slams, yeah. but she only won five. She won five. I said only. Ha! <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> oh, as if that's not very many. Um, well, the bar, the bar has been raised. <laughs> no, but as in she was such a superstar. She's yeah, such a superstar yeah. in terms of TV ads and the amount that she was earning. You know, one of the highest paid athletes in the sport competing with Serena in terms of they were flip-flopping around, weren't they, in terms of who was higher paid. But Serena was racking in loads of Grand Slams and Sharapova, you know, she wasn't. She, she did win five, but there was a period of time where she didn't win very many. So Osaka's already on four. I think absolutely it doesn't matter at all. That's incredible. And it was very interesting because our agent was saying that the big thing about this is when there's a conference call with a brand, she is part of it. She's listening and she's learning so that when she stops playing tennis, which, as you say, she probably could do it tomorrow if she wanted to, she could set up her own brand. I mean, can you imagine the education she is getting, the board meeting she's involved in, the conference calls, the people's, the connection that she's making and speaking to? And they sort of very big thing for her as well as thinking about who they align themselves well understandably that once she stops playing all the knowledge she's going to have is absolutely phenomenal oh yeah I mean, I mean but, but will she need that knowledge because as I say being the CEO of brand Osaka of product Osaka 
it's it's not like yeah, she's yeah. then going to go on and man it like be a ceo of facebook or, or do you know what i mean is it like i can't other than sort of more charitable things i can't really see i recognize what you're saying is it's an i mean in terms of going to a school for business <laughs> thrown in at the deep end <laughs> it's not a bad one is and it? that's it right <laughs> and in terms of the i was saying surrounding yourself by talent the talent that she can attract is absolutely colossal right but i'm not sure i mean she obviously can apply that to something different if she wanted to if she was interested in the challenge but she wouldn't need to because brand osaka will be going as long as osaka is alive so therefore does she need to do anything on clay and on grass this year in her career and do you think she will make waves on clay and on grass this year uh, maybe not this year, but she will at some point. It's, you know, especially in the women's game, there's less adaptation that needs to happen on those two surfaces than for the men. And, you know, you really can play your game. I'll bring up Sharapova again. Wow. I mean, we might as- we should put Sharapova <laughs> in the title. <laughs> Sharapova um, winning Roland Garros. Again, it's, it's, you know, it's not like she started sliding all over the place and was you know, looping her forehand and turned into Sara Irani. No, she she played her own game with some smaller adaptations. And, uh, you know, you can hit through it. So for Osaka, it's just about time. She just hasn't had enough time playing on clay and, and barely any time playing on grass. She's had barely any grass court seasons. It's been two years since the last grass court yeah. season. So a lot of these new players that we think should be really good on grass, as Siontek is another one who should be really good on grass. You could really see her doing well, potentially winning Wimbledon. She's barely ever played on it. So it's just about time. That's all. Speaking about time, we've realised that doing back-to-back tournaments when we are on polar opposite shifts, as in we couldn't get literally, as I came off air, you messaged to say you were going on air. And this happened for two weeks. And then factoring in young children is not conducive to recording podcast no <laughs> well we thought <laughs> I actually thought going into work that it would be like oh this will be so much easier now easy, because we were at so work so we'll have no. the time but you no. every day were on matches one and three and I every day was on matches two and four like every day <laughs> every so, day that was so rubbish so we were like mm, so there's not gonna be a because we were thinking one day of the two tournaments we'll both be on be one, one and day. three or Had something and then we'll have a match off and we can bash out a pocket and it didn't happen at all did not and happen. I get and I get messages from you saying I'm just going on and where are you and and what are you doing and how are you doing and then and we completely missed I don't I think I saw you once in two weeks physically didn't I yeah I you came I, up I, once yeah I came and saw, saw you guys a couple of times the first week but then not the second week was way too busy it was I'm just trying to think back how was your Madrid and Rome it was fantastic yeah. Oh, Madrid feels like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? Does. It does. I love thinking Rome. back to who won it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love Rome. It's, my, it's just my favourite. You just look at those courts and you just think, oh. It's beautiful, isn't it? What an incredible... The Foro Italica is just an incredible place. I'm so lucky that I've been able to be there. Yeah. And... It, yeah just absolutely fantastic do you get a little bit of rain you know european clay court swing that's sort of how it goes unfortunately um was it better in september <laughs> the clay court season i think it might have been. i don't i don't think it i don't think it rained as much I definitely, <laughs> i'm just trying to think back and and as we're doing it whether you're on site in a commentary box or we're doing it remotely due to covid it doesn't temperature wise it's fine so yes it was colder when you think back to September but there was definitely less rain I'm I'm just thinking back to well two of Djokovic's matches that first one against Taylor Fritz it was it was just hammering it down and Fritz was saying this is unplayable yet he didn't say anything whether it's because 
he wasn't bothered or because he was facing Djokovic so felt he couldn't kick up a, a fuss about it. I mean, it was literally pouring around to the point when there's that much seen and talked about sort of explosion from Djokovic when he suddenly said, why have you not done anything about this? Why have you not checked the courts? And it was kind of like, well, because you haven't said anything. <laughs> you well, just... no, no. See, I'm going to defend him here. I, okay. I can't defend the po- the fact that it did come, I think, after he got broken. I think it got broken back, maybe. Yes, it did. So the timing, I can understand. He was definitely okay. venting a little. But um. on top of that, I would say it is not the player's responsibility to... Uh, to question things and to say whether something's safe or not because otherwise you just turn into a whiny player and you can get told no by the umpire. Um, it's the umpire's job to make sure that the players are safe as far as I'm yeah, concerned. When is, it, when is it stop Djokovic saying, can you check this? I know this it's not right, stopped him. Isn't... I know it's not stopped him and I know that he was trying to get that set wrapped up before. The... <laughs> That's in, it's exactly what it was. It's exact... Can you imagine, come down from the chair and said, we're going to suspend play. It, when he was in the position he was in, he probably would have kicked off because he was about to close out the set. It, it was one of those weird sort of you could see in the chair they were like well better not say anything because they seem happy to carry on and this set could be done Djokovic wanted to get the set done and suddenly he was broken back wasn't going to get the set done and flipped out right yeah but I think that I I don't know I I do defend him on on this a little bit because it's not up to the players we're not the officials and it's the officials should be the ones that step in no matter what the situation is yeah he'll probably vent Um, but you know yeah as I say I'm sort of defending I'm defending the point that players should be the ones to um to say something I don't think they should uh but I okay. I can't really defend his outburst because it was quite clearly that he was trying to finish <laughs> before they got called off for rain and then <laughs> got annoyed was. because he didn't fin- he didn't hold his serve so um yeah but no, it's not. It's not fair for the, for the players to be the judge of it. Like it's up to. It's, and it, it get, does get tricky on the clay because it can take so much rain. It's just miserable. It's miserable playing in the rain. At the same time, I was working on the Schwartzman match, who yep. did not enjoy playing in the rain. I mean, he was off very quickly. <laughs> he, he played the whole match, but it was raining, and it was it was not spitting. It was raining. I know, full from on, start yeah, to finish. Yeah. They played for just under an hour. Who's playing Auger Alessim? I mean, he was rubbish, but there you go. Um, but it's just like, it's <laughs> just match miserable. <laughs> it's, it's miserable. But then I suppose you spent so long in football that you're like, this is nothing. Well, it's it, yeah, there is a little bit of that. There's so many other sports that just play through the conditions. But in tennis, especially with the lines, isn't it? It's the danger and you don't want someone slipping. You don't want someone picking up an injury. It's not worth it. But there are some players who will play through it and don't mind. But this was heavy. I mean, this was this was ridiculously heavy rain, whether it be the players, the officials, the supervisor, you just felt, you felt someone should have called it, but you also felt you could see the aim of Djokovic to get it done. And maybe you would have been a brave person to come out and say match suspended when he was trying to head towards the finish line. And as it turned out, the weather, they came off and the weather just got too bad. And I have to say that going into Rome... I was still having my Nadal wobble. Right. You were still back, wobbling. You were back wobbling that way, were you? Well, I, I was wobbling that still there was something that wasn't quite right. And but were you wobbling still after Barcelona? Yeah, yeah. I was wobbling oh. after Barcelona. Because early in Barcelona, I thought, hmm. And then Madrid, I know there's the altitude and I know he hasn't won as many titles there. We know all the reasons. But I still thought, hmm. So I was talking to some colleagues at ATP Tennis Radio. And, you know, we do our 
uh, our predictions. And so they said, okay, as you're wobbling, you are not allowed to pick Nadal for Rome. Okay. So she said, you keep talking about your wobble. And I didn't. I, I was always going to pick Djokovic. Uh-huh. I, I know ultimately Nadal would win. So now Nadal's won Rome. I'm, I'm still a little wobbly. Yeah. And, I, and I, I genuinely don't know why. Even though the next gen over best of three were so close, couldn't do it, couldn't get the job done. It was the uh, old farts in the final. <laughs> the, the new gen of the old gen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just still think, I mean, Dominic team. I don't know how you feel that team's been, but, uh, and I know a big thing for him was the, the sort of the mental break from the sport, but I'm not sure. He's kind of a diesel engine, isn't he, team? He needs matches. He needs time on court. And, it's something he's been doing for years and years. He took a break from. So I think there's a bit of the frustration that he's not where he feels he should be. Not that he's that far off. But I just wonder mentally how settled and up for the fight and, and ready to be back he is. And, and whether that will just disappear at Roland Garros because that is the that's next on his bucket list, as it were. It is, but... You know, I do think that when we talk about who's going to beat Nadal, I mean, of course, you've got Djokovic um, as well as team who could potentially beat him. Then you're stretching a little bit for Sitsipas, mm. you know, maybe somebody yeah. like that. But I mean, ultimately, he won Rome. They were all in that tournament and Nadal won it. Are you going Nadal, Roland Garros? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's I, not even a question. Uh, well, no, a question. I, I know. I genuinely think it's a question. I genuinely think I didn't after he won it last year. I I thought it was nailed on because he was insanely good. But I I genuinely think I I, I think it's a question. I do. Mm. Mm? Well, I think it's a question that's going to be answered with a big fat trophy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Someone who said. I'm categorically not going to win it is Roger Federer. So he's yeah, back. Are you putting him in the mix? He, I'm not putting him in the mix. He, he's back. <laughs> uh, I'm putting him in the mix of the draw. He's in it. Um, came back at Geneva. Lost to Pablo Andahar, who's now got the story to tell the grandchildren. That Lovely. not only did he That's take great. on... I mean, he took on Federer in Switzerland and beat him. So wonderful for Pablo Andahar. And then in his post-match press conference, Federer was saying, no, no it's ridiculous. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to win Roland Garros. It's about getting ready for Wimbledon that's still my priority and I thought it was interesting um friend of ours friend and colleague Ben Rothenberg ran a poll on Twitter and it was should Serena Williams who's had a couple of early-ish exits in her clay tournaments and Roger Federer to give themselves more prep time for Wimbledon in the grass which many people see now for both of them as their best chance probably more so for Federer should they skip Roland Garros so no Okay. Uh, <laughs> Next question. Um, and why is your answer no? Because, uh, particularly for Federer, less so for Serena, yeah. chances of going deep in the second week, pretty slim, when it comes to physically how they're going to respond day after day. I know their level is still going to be very high, but you know it's one thing, okay, maybe he would have been able to beat Pablo Andahar. If he had beaten him, he's then got to come back and play again and again and again. How's the body going to hold up? Yeah. Um, they need matches, that's just they're just completely underdone on matches. And where are you going to get matches at the French Open? Nothing else is happening. There are no other matches to play. You can't just make up a match. You, maybe you can do an exhibition, but that's not going to cut it. So you you go to Roland Garros. You know that you're probably going to be losing early. And then you come and train on the grass. 
For Serena, she might not lose so early, but there is a massive question mark because she's so underdone. I don't expect her to be flying into the second week, but I would not put it... I, I would absolutely still say it's a possibility, but with Federer, I would say it probably isn't a possibility. just physically don't know how he's going to respond to those sorts of matches. And you need the confidence going into the grass court season for, Wimble- for Wimbledon, for Federer, he's got to have played like a best of five set match. Like you've got to go do it and try and gain some confidence, see where you're at, see where you measure up. And of course it's going to be tougher on clay. You're going to be further away on clay than you will be on the grass. You've got to compete. Just got to, you just got to compete. Do you, do you see what I mean with that though? You can't just sit around and wait for the tournament that is your best chance because you're going to turn up and not be in form. I think the 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 strange thing or the interesting thing is sometimes you look at the surfaces and you just think, well, because they're so different, the clay to the grass, how on earth could playing on clay prepare you for grass? But in terms of what you're saying, it's about getting the competitive matches. And I imagine the physical exertions of playing on clay can only benefit you in terms of your form as you get ready for the grass. Yes, and I would also highlight, uh, again, that I mentioned earlier, it is less different for women on the clay than it is for the guys. So why, uh, is, it, lo- why is it, so remind us, why is it less different or what, what are the differences? So uh, I'll try and sum this up in less than half an hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everyone. I thought, I thought there were only a few differences, shouldn't take that long. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so basically with the... Firstly, you've got to look at the difference between the men's and the women's game. And the men have so much more natural upper body strength in general than women do. That's very even when it comes to lower body strength. It's something we've talked about before between men and women relative to your body weight. But with men, upper body strength is is so much more. Uh, And that lends itself to getting much more spin, uh, which will then in turn get you much more width, much more weight of shot, uh, much more shape on the ball. You can throw in much better kick serves. And all of that really, really works on a clay court so the it's almost like the men's game is sort of exaggerated into that uh super spinny kick serve width uh creating big spaces on the court you've got the returns going so far back completely different return position to what you're going to see on on the grass for example um so there's just a bigger difference whereas with the women there are some women that can do those things. Um, you know, Serena's always had a fantastic kick serve. You know, Barty as well. You know, Svontek's not, not surprised that they've won Roland Garros at all. But you also can win Roland Garros playing like Ostapenko because it's just harder for women to do that. It's not like all women have a fantastic kick serve that is really going to bite and, and jump off because you just can't get the shape and the racket head speed and stuff. But women, that's why women play in a different way anyway. We play flatter, we play lower because you've got fantastic lower body strength. You think of the likes of Radvanska and Kerber in terms of how low they can sink down. And that's why you get a much more sort of trying to punch through game style with the women versus the men. Added on to that one more, I'll just do one more. There's another list of 20 more, but we'll just do one more. (laughs) Uh, Is that the men basically have a full clay court season throughout the whole year. You've got the South American swing. You've got a lot of tournaments going on throughout the year. Whereas for the women, they only have the clay court season as you know it, starting in Charleston, ending at Roland Garros. So if you are a somebody who likes the clay, I'll cite a Kazakina, for example, you don't get much benefit. I mean, there are huge tournaments on clay, don't get me wrong. You've got Rome and Madrid and, you know, of course, it's absolutely huge with Roland Garros, but you're not playing on clay all year round. So again, it just, you just don't emphasize it as much 
Does that make any sort of sense? Yeah, I think it does. I've tried to to do it fairly briefly because it's a fascinating part of the game. uh, And there is a difference between how men and women play. Um, And it's just all the majority of the differences, I think, are amplified by being on the clay for the men and not necessarily for for the women in terms of how they play. But I would actually then say on the flip side, I think there's more of a difference in the women's game going on a grass court as there is uh, on on the clay. Okay. Uh, as there is for the men. Sorry. Well, we, we're going to save, we'll save that one. We'll save that one for, <laughs> for a couple of pods time. We're going to make people wait for those. Cha- when you said you were going back to something, when you said I'll refer back to something I said earlier, I thought you were going to go back to Maria Sharapova. Because <laughs> oh, she yes. is it. Is there anything else you'd like to say about her? Because she is sort of your recurring theme throughout this podcast. Maria. Hmm. She does a lot of sort of lifestyle stuff. Whenever on Instagram, it's all sort of chairs and vases and tables. Yeah, she seems busy. Like, I mean, that's the thing. And this is this is sort of the post um, tennis life that lies ahead for Osaka. I mean, she doesn't have to do vases (laughs) like like Sharapova, but just as in you can essentially take it in any direction you want to really. So, I mean, look, Osaka's going to have a whale of a time with it. That's for sure. It's going to come with its own struggles and challenges. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean it's easy, but, uh, you know, she, she very much, uh, is able to take a direction, uh, her life in any direction she wants. Can I say that not having any sponsorship deals, my life outside of tennis at the moment is dominated by before and after school clubs. Honestly, right. it's got to a point. Well, you where do I'm gonna, both. I'm going to have to do a spreadsheet. It's out of control. There is one day of the week. That's today when they don't have anything before or after school. And it's incredible. It's it's just... Because honestly, the night before, some go to... One of the twins goes to some things. The other one goes to something else. There's different bags. There's different equipment. You've got to put snacks in. You've got to dress them a certain way. They have to be there at a certain time. You pick them up. I mean, I, I cannot tell you. All parents with children. I mean, the good thing about lockdown was there was no before or after school clubs. They are back with a bang. There's like a race between parents to sign kids up. And then if you don't get into the right group and you don't, uh, honestly, it's, uh, you kind of need to hire someone just to run your before and after school clubs. I can't believe you do both. I, w- I would imagine you would either do a before school or an after well, school. Well, yeah, club. but some of them, like this kickboxing little samurai that one of the twins goes to, that's before. That starts at eight a.m. So, mm. and then he was like, "I really want to do it." Really want my friends, uh, and the other things like, say, football or tennis, for instance, which only one of them goes to. That's after school, and it's all on different days. And you're kind of, honestly, it's. And I'm leaving for Roland Garros next week, <laughs> so I've had to tell my poor other half. <laughs> not only is it drop off and pick up, but there are these things, and honestly. He just looked, he stared at it for about three minutes, said, what's this? <laughs> and wow. I said, I said, this is what happens around school. And he's genuinely speechless. So it's... Uh, so they're going to be like yeah. turning up to Little Samurai in a swimming costume or something. Basically, yeah. Or turning up, <laughs> <laughs> or turning up uh, yeah, with tennis with a football and uh, rugby with a cricket bat. And it's just, it's, uh, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, we're all we're all facing. So you've got a little bit of time before that happens, but just to prepare you, just don't do it now. <laughs> end of end of Rome. Did I imagine this? Because end of Rome, I then my then attention went to because I was working for Chelsea on the the women's Champions League final. Ah, oh, yes. Um, against Barcelona, it didn't didn't turn out that well for Chelsea, although a very good achievement to get to the final. Um, 
did I did I see it correct? I know that Nadal beat Djokovic in three. Did I see it right that Shvantec beat Pliskova Love and Love? Oh. Was that, that something? Did, did I see that as I was flicking oh, through? I mean, it's painful, isn't it? If you think she was in the final this year, lost Love and Love, and last year she was in the final and pulled out after five games. So, I mean, Ouch. she loves Rome to a point. <laughs> to a point. Till, <laughs> till the final? <laughs> till the, she loves yeah. it till around the semi final stage. <laughs> yeah, no, it was an absolute demolition. And wow. you've got to throw in question marks to Pliskova with a serve like that. I don't care whether you're playing in mud. Like, you can win points. She won 13 points in total, and four of those came in the very last game. Wow. Up until six love, five love, she'd won nine points out of 11 games. Nine so, points out of 11 games. But what is with it? With a serve like Pliskova, who's known as the ace queen. But what is it? Is it, is it nerves? Is it confidence? Is it Sviontek playing out of her mind? Is it a combination of the three? Is it? I know we talk a lot about Pliskova and then the, the finish line, especially the, the bigger the tournament, the, the harder it is for her to cross that finish line. But, but what gives you that kind of scoreline? Well, I mean, I actually was lucky enough to cover a lot of the Pliskova matches through the week. I did Pliskova yeah. Ostapenko. Oh, such fun. Um, I mean, she should have lost that. Well, I, she shouldn't have lost that match. I don't mean should, but she could have <laughs> lost that match. It was <laughs> unbelievably tight. Um, but uh, I did do a few of the matches and there were patches of some fantastic tennis from Pliskova. And you were thinking, all oh, right, OK, she's back. But the biggest issue for her has been so much to do with her confidence and you can just see that she just doesn't look sure of what she's doing. And with a game style like hers, you have to be sure. You've got to pick it and hit it. There's no room for... She doesn't play with much variation. Okay, she does throw in some drop shots and a slice here and there. But ultimately, her game is about sea ball, hit ball. And she's very, very good at that. She's been number one in the world. And even in the matches, there were these big dips in confidence. And she suddenly just didn't know what to do. She'd get a break and you think, oh... Pliskova's back. She's rolling. This is amazing. We should be talking about her potentially winning this tournament. And then all of a sudden, like the next game, she just didn't really know what she was doing. And so the, the confidence was a real roller coaster. but she was doing just in, it was just enough to get through these matches. And she was lucky in that the players that she was playing against were pretty up and down as well. As I say, the Ostapenko match, it was, you know, if Ostapenko could have just been a touch steadier at, at, at certain times, she would have won that. Ostapenko's playing great though, for all the Penko fans, another Roland Garros champion. Um, but with, so I think then you go into the final and she's playing against somebody who's in form, playing fantastically well on the surface that they absolutely love. Now, I know that Pliskova loves it in Rome, but it's, I mean, does she love clay? I, I don't know. She does very well on clay, so I can't really say that she doesn't. But you're, you're taking on Siontek and it's just so well suited to her, the heavy conditions, all of it. And I was thinking, well, Sviontek's going to try and use that forehand to get it away from the strike zone of Pliskova. And she could be pretty effective, but because it's heavy, it might get sucked into her strike zone. That did not happen at all. And it was just very much sort of Sviontek started off playing at a very, very high level. It was a level that I personally don't think we've seen from Pliskova through the week. I just don't think she's been asked that question. And then I just think her confidence fell away. I just think she didn't know what to do. And we have seen that coming in her matches. So... Look, huge positives for her. She reached another final in Rome. She reached the final in Rome last September as well. Outside of that, her last year has not been very good at all. I mean, you, you take away Rome and it's actually, um, you know, she's been really struggling. But hopefully 
that really kicks her on now to use that moving forward. And, uh, you know, she can be, you know, coming to the next tournaments, coming to Roland Garros, just feeling much more confident because she did a lot of really, really good stuff. Now, not that I'm putting you in the mix or as a contender for Roland Garros, but am mm. I right in thinking, as I say, the last few weeks just feels like they've just been a blur as Madrid rolls into Rome and after school clubs. But haven't you recently been back out on the tennis court? <laughs> I have. <laughs> My first hit since August, I think. Wow. Okay. Um, How was it? It was good. Oh, you know what? I just, I basically, I'm either 100% intense that it's ridiculous or <laughs> I'm zero and I can't get the ball in. Oh. So I just, I was just sort of like, oh, let's just have a nice little easy hit. I've, I haven't played since August. Like, you know, just let's just break me in gently. Within five minutes, I'm like, I'm grunting, I'm beasting, I'm changing, <laughs> I'm chasing down every ball. And, I, and you know, it just, it's just, yeah absolute madness but it was so much fun I think even the first few minutes I was like oh I've so missed this I just love this sport so much but um forehand um backhand doesn't go anywhere it's rock solid this is what good technique gets you everybody I have good technique on my backhand picked up it was it was great it was just effortless it was so easy I was like oh it's like I've never been away forehand poor technique absolute disaster so (laughs) there we go that was the combination for me how did the body feel the next day? Because uh, it, it do does things. You've been doing your 5K, but tennis does things to bits of the body that you don't normally use. Yeah, it was stiff, especially through the back. You know, stiff through the back and, and shoulders and stuff. But again, there was just so much effort going into trying to not hit my forehand into the floor. And, you know, you may think that I'm exaggerating, uh, but I'm not. Because the thing is, is with... If you have poor technique, we talk about this all the time, right? If you have poor technique and you're feeling good and you're confident and everything, it's fine. It's not going to be a big deal. But as soon as you get nervous or there's a tight moment or you're not feeling good, then it falls away. Do you know what's going to emphasize your poor technique? It's not playing for nine months. That'll do it. <laughs> and I basically was just, yeah, really struggling. The the, the forehand was, was not finding the court very often. It, was, it got there in the end. It got there in the end. Have you completed your couch to 5K? Yeah, that ages ago. No, I didn't know you, d- you completed it. Yeah, you were... we talked okay. about it. So what happens now then? That's Do, do you still do it or you stopped? Uh... So what happens after couch to 5K? 5K to 10K? Nothing, or and then you can just Retirement. kind of go out and run 5K really. So I, I tend to do a run of like 5 or 6K whenever I have time. But much like we didn't have time to do the pot, I did not do a single run in two weeks. I didn't do anything. It's hard, I think I it? did about 500 steps in total in two wow. weeks. That was impressive. <laughs> And that was just running to the loo when at the changeover. I did. I did. Um, I'm back into my running as a before since Rome finished and before we before I go to Paris. Have you signed up for a race again? Because you were going to do a race. Yeah. No, that's past. Oh. I, I think I'm too old now to race. I think. What? The... <laughs> you going to do a race like last well, September? And I, I. But then I was out running the other day, and I always tell you, and I always tell everyone, I'm not making it up. I don't run very fast. I'm just. Like the tortoise and the hare, I'm the tortoise. I just keep going and I'll get there eventually. And there's a mother from school. She was, she ran past me. Most people run past me. And and she said, oh, I thought you'd be faster because you're always running. <laughs> and at first I thought, oh dear. And I thought, well, it's fine. I just, so I generally, I'm not getting faster. I just keep going. So I don't think, I, I might look into a race again, but you know me, I just like to go out, put on the podcast, have a bit of escapism from everything. And just have have a little run, and then I come back again. 
Do you see what I'm like? I'm like yeah. a creature of habit. I have my little routine. But I genuinely don't think I'm getting any faster, possibly slower as I get older. And I'm dealing with after school club madness that is just out of control. There's so much going on. But uh, yeah, no, still getting my runs in before go to Paris and trying to get everything ready for Roland Garros. So PCR test. Oh, of course. The logistics once yeah. again. But in, in terms of Roland Garros, we've got... Oh, let's do two things. Let's do our picks now. And then we can maybe change it if the draw comes out. Well, no, I was going to say, shall we save, yeah, so if the, shall we if save the draw our comes picks? out? As if they're never going to do a draw. It's never going to be released. Shall we save our picks? Or You want to save it for next week? Well, because then we'll see the draw. Or do you think... But mine might change because of the draw, especially the women's. But you've just said you can change, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, then, I can on. pick now. Okay. And then change. Go on then. Go on then. Go on then. Oh, I see. And I say that, and I encourage this conversation. I haven't actually thought. You about haven't thought it. about it. Have you? You're just going to say, "Oh, she's feeling taking the doll. Yes, all I've got. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you haven't. Okay. I. I will. And uh, Barty. Oh, you're going Barty, are you? Well, I actually don't <laughs> know whether she's going to win, but she's definitely the favourite. I. You don't watch Fiontex. Okay, so you're putting Barty above Shontek? Yeah. Barty pulled out in okay. Rome, so she could have won it, but she was tired from winning a ridiculous amount of matches. She's just like her and Rublev are just a joke, absolute beasts. What about Rublev to win Roland Garros? Mm, no. Because he doesn't believe right, in okay. himself. Okay, he right, doesn't here's believe in himself. Once that fella starts believing in himself, he's going to take over the world in tennis. But every single interview, every single interview, oh, I'm not that good. I've got to get better. Everything's got to improve. I'm like, have faith. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was very passionate. It I was. enjoyed that. There you go. <laughs> Support for Rublev. Come on, Rubles. Um, no, okay. A better question yeah. would be, uh, is there somebody that through Madrid and Rome, you're Ooh. now putting in the mix that you wouldn't have put in the mix? So maybe a Pliskova, for example. No. You might put her in. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> No, I know it sounds awful. And I know you said it was well done. She got to the final, but no, Come on. six, <laughs> six, love, six, love. That's what you walk away with. You don't walk away with, gosh, didn't I do really well to get to the final? You walk away thinking I've mm. just been smashed. Love and love, right? But then Djokovic lost the first at six love to Nadal in the final last year. You still have him in the mix. Yeah, oh, no, God, we're talking, we are talking a different level there. No offence. Why? Six love is six love. But Novak Djokovic is, is Novak Djokovic and Karolina Pliskova is, is not Novak Djokovic. Former world number one. Now, are you... They're not the same. They're yeah, not the same. Thank I'm not you. saying they're the same. Thank you. <laughs> he might have a few more slams than she does. I was like, wait, come on. Um, okay, so, right. So you're going... If I told okay. you yeah. Ostapenko's playing well... Would you? Would no, you be because, tempted? No, because it's, it's too streaky. It's too... Like, I was going to think... Uh, not not say above you you said is there anyone that stood out the last couple of tournaments and I was thinking possibly Zverev but he's too streaky he's too hot and cold and I know Madrid a lot of things work he just from likes Madrid the doesn't he that's the thing it's just Madrid his game likes Madrid he likes Madrid but he's too streaky he can play no. sensational tennis or we can get 45 double faults and and it's a complete shocker so I think um it's hard Nadal Nadal from 2020 Roland Garros will win 2021 Roland Garros, but I'm not as convinced. And I'll, he's not he's not going to be in the top two, is he? In the seeding. So <gasps> how weird. Because I mean that's just odd, isn't it? Because he couldn't he couldn't overtake Medvedev. He'd have had to enter a tournament this week to try and have any chance of mm. pushing himself up. So I will say Nadal, but I'd like to review it after the draw comes out. And on the women's side. I will say Halep. 
Although she's injured. Ooh, she's injured. Nice. She's injured. Yeah, I don't Not think bit. she's going to play. <laughs> she's got a torn calf. <laughs> Is, but, she, uh, is she out? Believe. Is she out, out, out? Not she's not offici- out, 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 Not officially as of as of recording this, but um, yeah, she's got to defend her title at Wimbledon as well. Uh, oh. So that's a bit of a bummer for her. But uh, is there anyone in the mix now that wasn't before? I think you've probably got to look at the women's because it's not like there's going to be somebody out of the blue for the guys. Yeah, but Berrettini's been playing all right, but nah. Because really it becomes that. a different beast, and it becomes best of five sets, and then it's yes, physically can they do it? But are they going to have the belief? Will they have the? How about Sophia Kennan? Not with her dad, with a new team. Is she going to match the heights of of reaching the final again? Can she do it? Is there anything? No, else? No, I think I think look, I think if you split with your dad, that has got to take some serious adjustment, hasn't it? I mean, she wasn't great in Rome, and I think yeah. How about it's okay? Take a little bit. Of a I've got one for you. If she's fit, Muguruza. Yeah, absolutely could win it. Oh, yeah. Because she played, she's been playing. Yeah. She's one of the best players, one of the most informed players of the last 18 months. It's just her ranking doesn't reflect it because the rankings have essentially been frozen for ages. So I think so. The, look, the Penko thing, I just really want it to be a thing, but I'm not sure it is. But I really want it to be she a could, thing. She could be your dark horse. Oh, I know. I just can you imagine? Oh, so but, good. but we're going to do fine, this sure. properly next. So okay, as long fine. as I make it out there, I've said I've got my PCR test booked in. There's a whole list of other things because coming from the UK to France, it's this amber situation. But there's a lot of things we need to have to get out there. But all being well, I should be out there next Thursday. And then I have to have another test when I land um, before I can access site. So you're completely whether you've been sort of vaccinated or not so all right i think if you've had both your vaccines you don't have to once you arrive but if you if you haven't had two vaccines you've still got to do the regular testing very similar to last year actually all in place but you've got to sign a few things and get a few things in place but all being well and i'm allowed in (laughs) um then we're going to try and record once the draw is out to allow some movement yes no, that would be good. I'm go- I'm going to be studying that draw, and because with especially with the women's, there is always a surprise. At least to the semis, there is a surprise. Yeah, there is. There is. Remember that year where we it was just all surprises because we had von Drusova and we had Contra. I mean, Contra never won a match around Garros before she reached semis. If you can reach the semis, you can win the thing. But Sabalenka. So, so oh yeah, good shout. It, it, but again, like it, it depends how the draw shakes down. With all these things. Yeah, okay. We've got, a, we've got a week to think about it. We've got a draw to study. And then we will record next week. And we're going to go, bang, this is what's happening. And we're going to be going to be totally in sync. Not. Well, <laughs> I, I think we will be on one side of the draw. Because I think I'll probably fall back into line despite my wobbling. I'm not having it. I don't think it should be allowed. <laughs> it's just a little bit harsh. But the women's <laughs> side, I think we will. I think there'll be a little, maybe Serena Williams in the running for you or not. No, no, not not right now. Uh, I'm afraid, but uh, just because she hasn't played enough. But as I say, there was a time when we would say that Serena Williams didn't need to play, and she could come in and win. There was, yeah. Look, I I think there's still a possibility that she wins. If I'm being honest, but uh, I think it's very unlikely. Okay, and uh, I've just looked on Maria Sharapova's Instagram. She's not playing. Uh, no, no, she hasn't. She hasn't announced to come back in the last few minutes. But one of her most recent posts was a chair, a table, and a vase. 
Lovely. There you go. Beautiful. So she's keep it, Glad she's having, living she's, a good life. She's living, interior designing. She's on a beach. She's got lots of tables, lots of bunches of flowers, and she is living a good life. And on a final thing, Kane Ishikori is going to become a dad. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Amazing news. That's a great way to finish. That's a baby that could get sponsorship deals from the off, right? Can <laughs> the baby's going to live off noodles. <laughs> and, it, and at this point, I want Nishikori, not the baby, to win Tokyo. That's my sort of fairy tale happy ending wouldn't that be nice I think I, I know there's an Andy Murray story possibly a Del Potro story the Fedra will he get singles gold and I know this is probably for another pod nearer the time but I would love Nishikori to win gold in Tokyo okay well we'll see if we can get the Nishikori thing to happen and we can work on the Penko <laughs> thing for me and then we'll both be very happy wow okay okay <laughs> we've got lots to work on and um, so next week we will have the time find the time get the draw and get stuck into Roland Garros we will. Can't wait. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.